when you eat with people, you share more than mm. just a meal, that there's communion in food. And um, so supper translates both from stand-up paddleboarding also to the nourishment of eating and being fed and, and coming together with people. And it's interesting, and every, every time I take out people on a paddleboard, whether it's on a flat water or a river, I feel so much more deeply connected with them. I mean, I just feel like, because we have shared that adventure together. Saturday, October 17th, 2020. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, welcome back to the podcast. This podcast is about adventure travel, content creation, and exploring places in a self-propelled manner. My guests tend to be people who are happiest when moving through a wilderness environment. And that's why it's my pleasure in this episode to talk with Jamie Mabe. She's a veteran, a soccer mom, a business owner, and an adventure paddleboarder. She's inspiring people in Raleigh, North Carolina, to get on the water, stand up, and get weird, explore new places on a board. Without further ado, let's talk with Jamie Mabe. Hey, Paul. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. How's the day in Raleigh? Uh, it was a very rainy morning, but now it's looking to be a sunny afternoon, so that's a good thing. Were you doing your volunteer work? I was, although I get paid for it. I just, uh, hold on for a second, I just got an alert that I need to pay my parking kitty. In Portland, we have, <laughs> we have, uh, digital apps that allow us to park on the streets, and I need to update mine, so hold on for a second. Are you going to Baja? Yes, ma'am. For the month of nice. the month of November, a one-way ticket flying down to uh, the Cape and spending time, quality time, just chilling in Todos Santos, avoiding the election and uh, the potential mayhem oh, aftermath. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. Sorry. You know, there's two. There's there's two Friday the thirteenth this year. Ugh, I bet. The first the the first one was March thirteenth, the day we went into quarantine. Mm. And the other is November 13th, which is the day they have to call the election. <laughs> I can't remember the official word for it, what that day is called. Uh, I think the, the Bible calls it uh, Armageddon, right? <laughs> if this car's empty, I got claimed by the redemption. <laughs> I guess you guys don't have a lot of bumper stickers like that up there, do you? Uh, I have yet to yeah. see a redemption bumper sticker. Yeah, okay, well. Welcome to the Bible Belt. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Bible Belt. And Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Yeah. Uh, introduce yourself to my audience, who you are as a soccer mom and adventure paddler. <laughs> gotcha. Without further ado. Without further uh, ado, Jamie. Right. Okay. So I'm Jamie Mabe. Uh, I guess my Facebook handle is Jamie Maybe, um, which seems to work out better anyway. Uh, I, I am the owner of Holon Raleigh here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I call myself a premium paddleboarding company. Uh, I give premium paddleboard experiences, mm -hmm. which we'll probably cover a little bit later. Um, and I'm a mom of two boys, uh, nine and 11 year old boys and a wife. And yes, at one point, a soccer mom, <laughs> COVID has disrupted the soccer 
Um, but overall, the um, coveted suburban housewife. So, how is Raleigh? You're in Raleigh, North Carolina. How is Raleigh for yes. paddleboarding in general? Paddleboarding in Raleigh is blossoming. Um, when even to the extent that last year I was the only paddleboarder on the water. And this year, it seems like it's just been out of bounds with the number of people paddleboarding. Um, and so far as whitewater, um, we don't have a great whitewater river here in Raleigh. Um, the noose has a couple of different rapids, um, but it's great for a long distance, a long distance paddle because you can go all the way from Raleigh to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, paddleboarding, though, is I mean, it's people are breathing hot and heavy for some paddleboarding. So I'm trying to get more people involved in that um, and kind of just make it really palatable for families to come out and explore paddleboarding as a as a family. What do you think the general attraction is for paddleboarding? Oh, okay. Well, I just (laughs) I actually just posted a meme that someone had made from like the History Channel, and it was from 1900. And it was a prediction of what the world was going to be like in 2020. And it had <laughs> it had people on the lake with balloons tied to them because they wanted to walk on the water. And I think that that is kind of everything in paddleboarding. You're exploring a plane that you can't typically explore. Um, I think it also has this sort of you know, the challenge of, could I stand up? And I think that when you watch it, it looks so easy. And because frankly, it is easy on flat water. I don't know. I think it's just very appealing. For some people. For some people. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. I'd say that my um, successful stand up and stay on rate is about (laughs) 85%. So, but I do have some people who just, it just doesn't work for them. And my husband actually calls that the roller skate effect. Mm. Um, if you've ever been on roller skates and you want to, your feet come out from under you, the uh, back to front. Oh yeah. Being able to hold yourself back to front. There's some people who just can't get that part of it, but well, overall I've, high success. Good. I've I've perfected that back uh, to front or front to back uh, trick. I call it the dump truck where you just start to shuffle off and there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yep. You shuffle off. It's always a shuffle. It's always a walk to your end. You know, you walk the plank backwards, you're done. Yeah. One thing that I definitely know about paddleboarding, and I used to call it the democratization of uh, paddle sports. Anybody could do it. But I've definitely taken that back. I mean, it does require balance, of course. It does require agility. It it requires a certain amount of confidence. And when a person stands on a board, mind you, these boards are, are stable. Most recreational paddle boards are stable but your Mm -hmm. body doesn't believe it and your body could actually fail so it's interesting to see people standing on a board for the first time who are athletes who are just really wobbly and unstable once once they get that confidence that they don't really capsize the board just by standing on it off they go but it takes a little bit right rivers are a different thing once you get on moving water that is a different game entirely Tell me about how you got introduced to that. Uh, Well, um, paddleboarding on a river proper, I was uh, was in Irwin, Tennessee at Mm -hmm. USA Raft for um, what my favorite band, Soul Driven Train, has a concert or festival (laughs) called Soul Slam Mountain Jam. And um, 
Jack Nelson, who's the southeastern rep for Hala. He's been on my. There. He's been on the podcast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I enjoyed his interview actually. Thank you. Um, but he was there demoing boards, and I saw people on sups on a river, and it just was like everything. Like uh, yes, I must do that. Um, but I had already. So I lived in Austin for a while, and um, we would, me and my friend, we would go walk rivers in Austin. We would just. There's just a lot of great rivers in Austin. So river lifestyle was, that was the first time I'd ever really seen kind of river lifestyle. Now, no one was supping, but because it was kind of before anybody was river supping, but just, and I guess as a North Carolinian, I did, I had tubed rivers a number of times (laughs) up in, up in the mountains. Um, So as soon as I saw river sup, it was like, yeah, of course, that's absolutely what one should be doing on a river. I mean, and I had seen, I had seen kayaking before, but it didn't strike me as, as enticing Mm -hmm. as sup did. Sitting down strapped to a boat, uh, potentially capsizing and underwater with your face bumping into rocks. Yeah, maybe not. True. For me too. It feels like I have a depression button on Mm. my butt. And when I sit (laughs) on it, I just like, I get depressed that the, the physical, state of sitting is depressing to me. I like to be standing up, moving around. I have a hard time just sitting still. Like I can't go see movies. Mm-hmm. I can't watch sporting stuff. I have to be moving around. So stuff so seem like you, you get to move more. You're not tied down. You you just own this platform. You can do whatever you want to on it. Yeah, you could stand, you could sit, you could kneel, you could yeah. do downward dog. Uh, you could yeah. just be in a really stable, powerful position, or you could just be enjoying the day. And that's definitely exactly. the thing that I like about it. I bet your computer system at the house is with a stand-up desk, right? Uh, well, I I am so um, – I actually don't even have a computer. <laughs> I have to use my son's computer. And I try to just be on there as limited time as possible during the day. So, yeah, it's a laptop. I like to – I have to move around. But to your point, when I was going through school for the Navy – they would always have a pedestal or a podium at the back of the class and you could go stand at the back of the class to take your notes. And yeah, I was up there a lot of times because I just like to stand up. So in the Navy, you're a veteran as well as a soccer mom, as well as a business owner, as well as a paddleboard adventurer. Yes. Yes. I'm a veteran. Thank you for your service. Thanks. You're welcome. You found the river, you were interested in it, you took some clinics, you built a community, and now you're an entrepreneur introducing people to the rivers in Raleigh. Uh, Describe how that process has been going. The process of getting people on the river here in Raleigh. Um, It's been very interesting because, all right, so when I first showed up in Raleigh, so I, I met my husband and I was living in Austin and he was living in Raleigh. And, um, when I finally decided to relocate from Raleigh or from Austin to Raleigh, as soon as I got to Raleigh and I drove over the noose, I immediately had to be on the river. Um, and my husband likes to tell the story because I was just a complete freak fanatic. As soon as we went over the river, I said, we've got to go get tubes. We got to go down this river. I want to go down the river. I want to go down the river right now. And I just manically pursued getting some tubes and getting on the river. So he and I had tubed it uh, before. So I kind of knew what the deal was with, you know, just the water situation. So as soon as I 
bought my sup. I bought a straight up because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to do, well, I didn't know anything about paddleboarding really. And I wanted to have if through my perception at the time, as an all around board would do the best for me. And it seemed that it rated pretty well on the river too. The hull is uh, straight I think up. It's like an eight out, yeah. I think it's like an eight out of 10 even. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> good on the river. You can't surf it, but in any event, um, yeah, I just got on the board and went down the river. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't know this that thing you really, out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what other moving parts do we need? I have a board. I'm going to go down the river. I didn't have a leash, didn't have a helmet. Uh, I don't even think I had a PFD. So you were too and I went by myself. Up. And I went, I mean, really, that was my entire perception of it was, yeah, this is going to be super easy. Let's just do it. And it was, you know, again, there's not really, at least the section that I did, there was no white water. It was extraordinarily straightforward. Um, and because tubing was already a thing on the river, um, I just figured families would want to come down and, and do sup. Because why would you tube when you could stand up paddleboard? Your butt's not wet the whole time. You are not in that awkward tube position. You know, you have this, you're in control of your vessel, which I love because you're never really in control of your tube, but you're definitely intentionally directing your paddleboard. And um, so what I've been doing recently is um, going down different random sections at different CFS to see if it works. Um, And so, um, the noose has a big, long stretch at the beginning of 12 miles that is absolutely nothing but floating. I mean, you you don't run into any eddies. Mm-hmm. You have you don't even have strainers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just basically a lake. Um, after that, there's uh, a section that had previously been covered by water uh, up until 2017 because it had been dammed up. And the dam had been there from like the 1700s on. So in 2017, that dam got torn down. And through tearing down the dam, those covered rapids became uncovered. Mm. So I had assumed that this section that was beyond my typical 12 miles was just as flat as the rest of the river. And uh, I was going to take a family down this section. And I hadn't even gone down it myself again very foolish. Um, and because I thought, well, it's just going to be as flat as the rest of it. And I looked at the the satellite map and the satellite showed no rapids and I'm like, okay, cool. So I ended up taking, I kind of got this really bad feeling about it. So I took my uh, nine-year-old and one of his 11-year-old <laughs> friends down it and I'm thinking, no sweat. This is nothing. This, you know, I'd taken children down my 12 mile section before. No problem. We encountered like five different rapids <laughs> And fortunately, again, they're very small rapids. It's not much. But, you know, if you're driftwood, you're going to just kind of spin around and, and go up against a rock and your board's going to get flipped. But there's no there's no undercut rocks. There's um, I mean, it's extremely mild rapids, but it was a little thrilling for the children. It was a little thrilling for myself as well. Um, so, again, I've just been like exploring all these different sections and just trying to pers- get all my friends to come with me. And, you know, I've, I've, I keep trying to find better takeouts because we have our city takeouts, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I'm trying to shorten up lengths in order for, to make it more palatable for families. So, 
you know, I've been down the river a number of times where I'm like climbing up a 10 foot mud embankment by myself <laughs> with my radio, like, and my dog trying to like, just get up this mud wall. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, chest high in a swamp before <laughs> trying to find a takeout, like, a, a where I, and I swear I'm so lucky I didn't get my toes bitten off by a snapping turtle. Cause that's the thing to fear in the river here. So, Jamie, I'm going to interrupt you right there really quick. Yeah. So when, when you're telling your friends and probably snapping a couple of photos to, to convince them to come on to your adventures, yeah. do, you admit, do, you, do you admit that you were waist deep <laughs> avoiding snapping turtles waist <laughs> deep in mud? Or do you say, yeah, it was perfect. I was just wearing a, a bikini and it was a bluebird day and it was great. Join me. Like, do, you uh, really, do, you, do, your, do your women friends in particular say, all right, Jamie, that's hardcore. I want to join you. Okay, so I leave out different parts. <laughs> um, my mishaps have been alone. Again, I mean, because I do a lot of river time alone. Mm -hmm. I can't get people to come mm -hmm. with me. You know, so um, I leave out the more succulent details for sure. <laughs> but that being said, most of my mom's, my mom friends have been covered in baby poop and vomit and just about every other nasty, disgusting thing you can imagine. So a little bit of swamp water does not deter. <laughs> I mean, and I pretty, I, I flush out the friends anyway, who are adverse to being dirty or, you know, I mean, and actually most of my Southern friends have no problem with nature, woods, snakes, you know, whatever, none of that stuff's bother. But People who come from up north down here, they're like terrified of our poisonous snakes and <laughs> and all the other things that we have crawling around in North Carolina. So, well, honestly, I have to raise my hand to that one as well. Like uh, reptiles and uh, arachnids, you know, the the snakes, yeah. the the crocodiles, which you don't necessarily have there, maybe I don't know, but uh, the, no, we don't you know, have them here. The, the venomous snakes, you know, I'll I'll deal with a bear, I'll deal with a, a cat. The the, okay. the the predator mammals that are out in the West, like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with those. Okay. Uh, but uh, give me a venomous snake and I, I scream, no, no, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that you're like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> well, I hear you, I guess, because I'm very familiar with our poisonous snakes. So first off, I live in Wake County, and Wake County is like has the highest number of copperheads in the state of North Carolina. So, I mean, like, I, everyone in my neighborhood has a story of getting bitten by a copperhead everyone. on their way to throw out the trash at night. So, I just know the nature of the snake. This, they're very shy snakes. They do not want to bite. They, you can step over a copperhead mm. about eight times, and they won't bite you. And, um, yeah, it just rarely happens. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just when you just, you just, uh, you're more likely to get, bitten by a shark at our oceans here, mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, we've had a lot of shark bites here on the on the Carolina coast. Um, and I've had friends who have stepped on stingrays, and that seems mm -hmm. pretty awful. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, it's all relative, I guess. It is relative, and, and undue, unfounded fears go sure. away with experience. So, you yes. know, the reason why I'm not too concerned about bears is because I have a, a good sense of, of, of bear habitat and, and bear behavior, just like you are with the copperheads and, uh, yeah. and further in Florida, the, the, the crocodiles and the alligators, I don't know what the difference is, but uh, they, they, ter right. they terrify me. 
<laughs> okay. But uh, I yeah. guess just familiarity with anything, whether it be the, the, the environment, the people that you're with, or, or the, the, the sport that you're doing, it just be, you, become a, you become an expert with time and miles. And that sounds like well, exactly what you're doing is becoming an expert in the sport. There is no other, no better teacher than to do, you know, and, and you're not going to get confidence unless you do. So it, there's, there's just no, nothing better than actually just start doing it. I don't know. I hope more and more people will paddle with you because that's, it sounds like a, a great place to have exciting adventures. And I love the fact, I love the fact that, of course, if you look at any of the, the paddleboarding magazines, which are becoming fewer and fewer, uh, and, and the social media, inevitably you're going to see a woman on a beautiful lake with her dog, you know, sitting or, or paddling along. But adventure right. paddling is something different. And I want to be, I, yeah. wa I want to see, I want to see Jamie coming out of a, the Noose River in North oh, Carolina, yeah. covered in mud and avoiding snapple snapping turtles. That's the media I want to see. Oh man, you should, I would have had the just best shot for you the other day, just covered in mud, completely <laughs> covered in mud, dragging my ass around because I was tired as hell. Um, just kind of over it, that whole, you know, the face of I'm just so over it, I can't even. Um, yeah. I will. Uh, you know what, Paul? I will catch a snap for you. Please. I'll catch a real cute one for you. <laughs> That's one thing about the hollow boards that, you know, I have to say. I love everything about hollow boards. Some of them, though, that have the white bottoms, like my original <laughs> straight up. That is not a North Carolina. You can't. North Carolina has red clay. And we need some like red clay colored boards because my white boards turn clay colored immediately. Noted. But it, it's it's the testament to the advantage or to the adventure, so I guess it's fine. How would you describe adventure? I often, you know, this podcast, you know, focuses on adventure travel, and obviously, yeah. uh, chest deep in mud is is certainly that uh, adventure. I've defined right. it in the the sense of you know going on an experience without necessarily guaranteeing comforts, but you will have memories. Right. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to say that I use your word type two adventure quite often. <laughs> that was Mario. Uh, he was a guest on my podcast okay, from Mario, Dallas. Yes. yes. And so he, he, he brought yeah. that to my attention. But type two adventure is a real thing. Type yeah. Two fun. My idea of adventure. Um, when I want to have an adventure, I guess I define it by my endpoint feeling. And my, by the end of the day, I know I've had an adventure if I'm tired and I'm cold and I'm wet and I'm hungry and I'm a little bit shaken up, might be a little bit bleeding, <laughs> but I'm just so freaking happy. You know, the, I feel like through, you know, again, if, if at the end of the day I have all those feelings, internally... I have the experience of having exercised the demon, you know, mm. the emptiness inside of me that can only be achieved by just letting it rip. I don't know. Just being outside all day long, journeying from one place to another. And again, you should feel tired, hungry, a little bit cold, wet, muddy, you There's know, the idea sandy that even that, that it, it's a very, um, physiological definition for me and I don't think I could explain it any other way than the way my body feels mm -hmm. after I've done that before adventure paddling what what did you do and maybe still are doing to okay. get that type of experience 
Um, okay. Well, when I was a teenager, I started rollerblading. Well, I, I'd been rollerblading. I could rollerblade before I rode a bike. So um, skating and rollerblading, long distances. Um, I used to come home from school and I used to get bullied. And uh, I'd rollerblade like 15 miles to exercise the demon, just mm. to get that the demon out. Um, and then after that, when I was in the Navy, oh, when we would pull into port, I would, I mean, when you pull into port, you're, you're coming off. I mean, I was on the USS Carl Vince in an aircraft carrier. You're 20 something. You got a pocket full of money because you've been out to sea for a while. And the boat shows up in Singapore. Uh, more, I guess Singapore isn't even a good one. Thailand was probably the best adventure I ever had. They want to take so, that money of yours. They do want to take that money of yours, and I want to give them that money because <laughs> they have all the delights. There is not a delight in Thailand that I do not want to experience. Um, but yeah, like that was that methodology. You know, I mean, we just you get off the boat with a bunch of sailors. There's a saying, "Sailor at liberty" for a reason. Um, so that's how I'd get that experience. That was the maybe the travel experience. Then when I got out of the Navy, um, I lived in Charlotte. And I would just ride my bike with a group of people all day long. We had beach cruisers. Um, and some people were like street delivery or bike delivery people, just a, just bike lovers. Mm -hmm. And we would just, I would ride from morning till night. Um, just ride, stop for coffee, ride some more, stop for beer, ride, go to lunch. I mean, just travel the whole city every day. Oh, and actually when I lived in Seattle, um, when I was in the Navy, I would just walk all day. I would, I would take the ferry from Bremerton to Seattle and I would walk alone all day long, listening to my, at the time, Walkman while it skipped on my CD. <laughs> but, and then in, in Austin, in Austin, again, it was biking, just biking all day. Um, so that, yeah, that, I, uh, that, that sitting down, you said the depression button on your butt is a real thing. Right. When a person is not active, when they're not upright and moving, yeah. darkness occurs. Yes. It can. It does for me, that melancholy. I've always been interested yes. in self-propelled activities. And it sounds like absolutely you have as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like to be moving. I, absolutely. There's nothing fun happening at home ever. I've never found anything fun happening here. Are so. you have you have you inspired that type of sense of adventure and, and motion in your kids? I bet you have. Uh, no, they mm. really resent all the things that I <laughs> they resent all things mother. I mean, they and that be in, in all fairness, right? As much as I enjoy the empty, drained out, just bleeding feeling, my children, I've dragged them, tw you know, 10 miles down a river and I've paddled. I've had to tow them, you know, by rope, nine of the 10. And mm -hmm. they've just been dragged around. They basically get dragged around to mommy's adventures. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the construct of my world. And all I can hope is that as much as they hate me for it, <laughs> that someday they'll, they'll crave <laughs> that feeling of being outside. You know, I just hope that I plant a little nugget that makes them, if they've sat in front of the TV, if they sat in front of the TV for too long, they, 
they just want to get up and move around. I don't know. It's the best I can do. Remind me how old they are. Uh, well, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Yeah. My it, youngest just turned 10, so. Yeah, it may come. My, my buddy, Alan Pace, who's been on the podcast and vlog episodes, I've done some, a number of adventures with him. His, he's, a, he's a school teacher in the Wenatchee Valley in Washington. And his, his kids, his oldest, 13, definitely look at him like he's some sort of madman because he is kind of a madman. He's, he's paddling yeah. as many days of the year as possible in a dry suit, surfing. And that's, it, it's his singular focus in, in many ways. And it's his art and it's his, his physical outlet and it's also you know a psychological reprieve but his kids think he's crazy (laughs) my i i had a guy friend in the navy and he would tell god hold on i'm sorry getting text galore um (laughs) i had a guy friend in the navy he told me about how his dad would um wake him up at five in the morning tell him come on we're going on a bike ride they go on like 25 mile bike rides and um, he hated every minute of it, but he sure wished his dad was back to tell him, come mm. on, let's go on a bike ride. Sure. You know, and that's the best I can hope for. I mean, I figure my kids are going to hate me anyway, so <laughs> I may as well force them into doing things that they might eventually catch on to. I was raised by a single mom as an only child in Reno, right. 30 minutes from Lake Tahoe. And okay. she was raised in the, the Midwest in, in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan. So she knew okay. when she was going to raise me. She wasn't a skier, but she enrolled me at an early age in all these skiing programs. And the last thing I wanted to do as a kid is get onto a bus, a school bus, and go up into the mountains and learn new things. Uh, and skiing terrified right. me, but apparently I became pretty good. And by the time I was in college, I went to the University of Nevada in Reno. Uh, a lot of my friends were out-of-staters coming to the area so that they could ski and climb and do all that in Tahoe. And skiing with them, I realized that, huh, I'm better than all these people who are dedicated at it. <laughs> Thank you, right. Mom. Uh, and my outdoor enthusiasm came delayed after the encouragement of my mom. I didn't like going to skiing. That sounds stupid. I understand. I didn't like going skiing. I didn't appreciate her forcing me to do it. But uh, thank you, mom. You, you informed my life in so many ways. (laughs) Oh, I, I feel like hopefully my sons will say that one day, you know, I mean, now that being said, my, my young, my older son, one wheels, and uh, rollerblades and begrudgingly stand-up paddleboard. Uh, my younger son, you know, he just rides his bike around the neighborhood. And I don't know. You know, they do enjoy being outside, but I don't think anyone likes their mother telling them what to do ever at any point in their life. So hmm. there you go. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a thing. Uh, we, yeah. You're uh, a joy to talk to you. Let's, uh, we have a few minutes left. And okay. let's be a little logistic at this point because you are outfitting people. You're in that process of doing that. What are some of the pointers you give people to set them up for success, whether it be standing on a board in a lake or moving in, in swift water or whatever it is? How are you setting people mm. up for success? Okay. Um, well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, so over the summer... I had a lot of families come through and do my, my sup package where basically they're on Lake with a couple of subs and they can just, you know, I really try to set up the experience to where they can get what they want from the experience. So, um, 
I want for them to be able to explore stand-up paddle boarding with joy. Mm -hmm. And um, when I get a lot of people who their first questions are, you know, what if I fall in and um, I don't know if I'll be able to stand up. And they just have a lot of negative feelings mm -hmm. about their preemptive construct of their capabilities. Mm -hmm. So I try to tear all that down by telling them that stand-up paddleboarding is just like Applebee's, no rules, just right, you know. And <laughs> is that is that, that is that the same? <laughs> yeah, I say yeah because I, I think that people think that if you get on a stand-up paddleboard and you fall in, you failed, that mm. that's somehow a failure, mm. you know. Whereas, that's part of the fun. Um, so people show up with tremendous trepidation. Uh, they don't want to look foolish. Mm -hmm. um, they think it takes a lot more skill than maybe it does. Um, so I tell them to take it slow. And I try to encourage people to understand it from kind of inside their bodies. You know, I mean, I think we, I don't know, I experience my life through the way my body feels. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I understand the world. And I meet a lot of people who don't have that internal monologue of being in a conversation with themselves. Mm. Um, and so I try to encourage them to just take it slow and figure out if they feel okay at this point, check in with yourself. Does this feel okay? All right, let's take it a step further. Does this feel okay? Do you feel steady? And eventually it seems like people just kind of catch on or they've already decided that they won't be able to do it and they don't sure you know i've i've met a, i've met very few people but a couple who you know they want to tell me all the reasons why they can't mm -hmm. but they still want to try mm -hmm. and then they really never even get to the place where they're trying to stand up because i guess they've already decided that they can't so that's just lake that's just you know play and figure it out river um i try to tell people every single thing that dale swanson from usa raft mm -hmm. has taught me which i did the most incredible sup tai chi class with him <laughs> um and that was pivotal to me to understand bracing on a paddle um and that you're moving the board to the paddle, not the paddle to you and how to feel that wet cement feeling. Um, so I try to connect people with that idea. Um, it comes from feel a lot. Um, so recently I had a friend who went out on the river for the first time and the water was pretty swiftly moving. And I had told her before about bracing on the paddle and how to feel that wet cement. And she just really didn't get it until we got on the river. Mm -hmm. And I think that you first learn that when you try to attain and you have to really streamline your stroke and be much more efficient at your stroke or else you can't overcome the river current. So, I, I mean, I don't know, I guess experience is the best teacher. And then I, I try to just be a person who will not judge them mm -hmm. at all for their capabilities and make a nice, safe, vulnerable space for them where they can just explore.
you know? That's why I'm not really turned on by SUP yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, not to begrudge anyone who enjoys SUP yoga, but for me, paddleboarding is freedom. And I don't like controlled, contr- just control. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's a proper way to do everything and it's extremely technical sport. But I don't think anyone wants to enter the sport being strongly directed or controlled. You know, and I find that people will show you what they want to learn. They they reveal themselves and I read them and try and meet them with what they're showing to me, if that makes any sense. Absolutely it does. And it's well worded. You're very articulate with it. And it 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 my audience hopefully will enjoy that as much as I and just be oh. I mean I, 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 I want to take one of your classes. Oh yay, well come out. Come on, let's do it. I'm too muddy. No problem. <laughs> and 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 signing Dale Swanson, he is a he is a wonderful person to spend quality river time. And I think oh yeah, this is this is what I like about river paddling in particular, okay. standing on a board, is that there are no rules. The right. purists, there are purists out there who insist sure. that there are rules: how you paddle, what type of board you paddle, in what foot stance you have. Uh, right. and, and trying, and I've never been a purist, and trying to counter the, the purist perspective, my, <laughs> I have one rule. <laughs> and, okay. And it's get weird. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. It, if, if the board is upside down and backwards, yeah, it might work for you. If, if your right. paddle blade is in your hand and the grip is in the water, yeah, that might work for you. As long right. as you're smiling... And you're yes. doing something that is characteristically you, yeah. you've done it correctly. Getting weird. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's one of the delights of paddleboarding. Stand up, sit down, read a book. You know, I mean, I had, we took out one lady who, I, and this, she's a grandmother, you know, um, she's a very active woman, but you know, she's, she's a little advanced in years. And she was talking about how she hadn't fallen in yet. And she was just terrified (laughs) of being in the water. So my husband, he got her to just sit down Mm -hmm. and put her feet in, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, okay, now if that feels good, pretend like you're hanging off of a building and just (laughs) hold on to the, and he literally said that he's like, he's like, watch me. I'm just going to pretend like I'm hanging off a skyscraper, you know, and he's holding on to the boards and just says, and she she kind of gets down and, and she gets in and, and as soon as her body was in the water, she goes, Oh yeah. Oh, this is great. And she mm. starts like swimming around the board. Mm. And it was like that unlocked in her head. It unlocked for her that mm. wait, I can do whatever I want. Yep. There's no reason why I can't do, you know, just jump in if I want or do a front yep. flip or whatever. Yeah. I try to definitely encourage the play. And if you read a lot of my social media, especially on Instagram, I construct my posts and my offerings as come play. You know, one of my offerings is fleet play where I just bring the fleet of boards and I just want people to play. And I like to have, you know, I say, come to my playpen. And (laughs) because it is, it's, it's, you know, we need free spaces. We need no boundaries. I mean, that's the great thing about water. There's not a path. You make your own path. Wherever you go is the path. We follow roads and sidewalks and all day long, and we don't have open spaces. Nobody wants to run around a field, but people want to paddle around a lake. 
you know, and, and it's, I just, that's one of the things that really speaks to me about paddleboarding. The parable of walking on water actually has some significance in, in modern recreation. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, for me, that strikes me more on the river. Like why would I not want to be standing up on a river functionally walking down a river? I mean, I've done it literally walking down a river in Austin where the water's, you know, waist deep, chest deep, whatever, but not on, on the surface. I mean, it's kind of super fantastic, in my opinion. Super fantastic. <laughs> yeah, super fantastic. Of course, with uh, with a, a sport called uh, SUP, it's it's great yeah. to add the super everywhere. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, the, absolutely. The, the super stick that uh, I paddle with uh, from Sawyer. My group, my SUP club on Facebook is Supper Club. Mm-hmm. Because in that way, too, you know, there's the idea that when you eat with people, you share more than Mm. just a meal, that there's communion in food. And um, so supper translates both from stand-up paddleboarding also to the nourishment of eating and being fed and, and coming together with people. And it's interesting, and every, every time I take out people... On a paddleboard, whether it's on a flat water or a river, I feel so much more deeply connected with them. I mean, I just feel like because we have shared that adventure together. Words of wisdom from Jamie Mabe. I usually have to coax my guests to say some positive words uh, of encouragement, and they never have any problems with it. But I don't have to ask you that question. I already oh, have. Yeah. I already have the quotes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you're not going to be positive, what's the point? You know, yeah. Right. Uh, And we are going to wrap up with one more thing. And I just want to, you know, again, uh, thank you for your service as being a veteran. Thank you so much for encouraging people for getting out on the water and, and doing something scary every day to, to improve uh, their, their psyche. And I also want to thank you for being, who you are with the, the electoral process. You're volunteering, oh. a paid volunteer for um, uh, voting stations in North Carolina, in Raleigh. So right. that's, yeah. that's, that's great work. And I hope, I hope people are going to be uh, voting with their conscience this year, for sure. I couldn't agree more. And I, I will say this, I'm very thankful for the place that I'm at in polling because there's a lot of, well, it's the majority are people of color And I had never experienced um, other people's joy of voting and Mm. to see these massive amounts Mm. of people who had previous previously in life or historically have been disenfranchised to they they relish voting. I've never seen Mm. people relishing voting and how it, it just exudes from them how important voting is. And I, you know, I, I had taken it for granted, which really mm-hmm. I shouldn't as a woman, because it's, it's, you know, we had to, women had to fight for our right to vote. Um, but I, I had taken it for granted and, and uh, I'm very thankful for the ability to experience this with them. So. It, it, it uh, emboldens me to be a little bit more of a, of an activist. 
I want, I don't yeah. want to take sides. I want to build bridges. And I think that's the activism right. I want to do is to in, in, encourage people to remind that people are people. Not all people yeah. are good, uh, right. but all people have certain desires that they have to be reminded are. So love, compassion, empathy, uh, understanding other people's dilemmas and strengthening them when you can. And it sounds like you as an, a recreational paddleboarder are doing that. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah. Thank you so much for thank being you. a part of the show. You were a joy to talk to. Yay. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.